what is Labor Day weekend, hard to believe. Uh, any of you guys doing a, a barbecue, maybe with family or neighbors? Um, maybe you're uh, going to do that last thing in the pool, right? The community pools, I think, close after Labor Day. It's sort of sad. I love, I love the water. Uh, maybe you're going to take a boat to the lake. Um, I drive by Saleville Lake all the time. It looks like you guys are having a really good time despite the algae warnings and the third arm you're going to develop. But um, it's beautiful to drive, especially at sunset over there. I, I enjoy that greatly. I will be doing that um, this weekend, uh, tonight, uh, tomorrow maybe. So if you see a black Corvette go by and he's driving really calmly, you can wave because if it's uncalmly, it's probably somebody else. I'm just saying right now. But, um, you know, it's uh, September, October, November, December. I can see the panic on some of your faces. Thanksgiving and Christmas is coming, right? And, and some of us, once I said that, we start like, there's a list going in our head and we're starting to plan. We're starting to think who might be there. We're starting to buy. We're starting to put an agenda together, a, a shopping list together. Don't do it now. I need face contact. Put that in a pen. Do it later. But some of us are that way. As I brought that up, you get a little angst. I can see it in your face. Like Some of you are like, yeah, because the one who eats like me, you're like, don't care, but the preppers, right? The ones who are getting it done, it's a deal. How many of you um, host a Thanksgiving or dinner typically or, or will do that? Anybody host dinners like that? Yeah. Um, let me ask you a question. Do you get a little, uh, do you get a little anxious? I do. Um, when I was growing up in the South, when a guest came over to our house or somebody came to spend the night, you know, my mom went into military mode. We had jobs and it had to get done. We had outside jobs, right? We had to mow the yard, weedy, trim, because in the South, we like all of our concrete all nice and clean. We had to sweep this, sweep the front door. In the South, we always have a storm door because we like to keep our windows open in the breeze when we have a cool breeze. Blowing through the house, so you sometimes you got to clean up the windows. So there's the outside chores. And then there's the inside chore. I hate inside chores. I mean, dusting makes no sense to me. Um, washing dishes, putting things away, you know, putting your games away, cleaning your room, which even as a pastor kid, that just means throwing it in your closet. You don't, you know, just throw everything in there, right? Stuffing in there. One thing to this day that, well, I won't say to this day, because it sort of does resonate, but when I was like 13 and 14, it made no sense to vacuum under chairs that never move or the couch. It doesn't make sense to me. Like as a kid, I'm like, we never move those. Why? I just vacuum around. And of course, my mom, you know, white glove and she's like, Hey, I'm like, I know when I'm a teenager, you know, I didn't go well anyway, but I have to tell you now that I've sort of grown up, um, when people are coming over to Lori and I's house for dinner or to spend the night or hang out with us, um, I get a little anal about that. I got to tell you, I get a little crazy about that. And to be fully transparent, I like details. I like preparing. I like strategies. I like control because I can make things happen and make things work and keep things moving. Dare I say, I can be a little perfectionistic. In my 20s and 30s, it wasn't pretty. Hopefully, I told Rick the other day, I think, I think I'm maturing. I hope I am. My wife can maybe attest to that, or Rick, because they're pretty close to me. But I, I think I am, because I've had a couple things where I realized, oh, I didn't go overboard with that. And I want us to sort of look at a story that represents that very thing. And if you grew up in church, you've heard this before with Mary, Martha, and there's a brother named Lazarus, right? You've heard that story before. And um, I want us to walk into this story. If you're new to church, it's simple, not profound. It is 
simply profound, I might say, but nothing too crazy. But let's look at uh, Luke 10, 38 through 42. And it says this on the screen there. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to get up and help me. Parents, does that sound familiar? Does that like, oh yeah, I just heard that this morning or maybe this weekend, right? Um, And then this is what Jesus says, Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So the background is pretty simple. Jesus and disciples are coming in town. This is the first time they're doing a dinner with Martha, with Mary, younger sister, and and Lazarus. And they end up having several dinners that we know from scripture. And according to John 11, Jesus really develops a, a good friendship with these people. And in fact, he uses the word love. And so this is the first time they're doing this. And I want us to, rather than start in verse 39, I want us to start in verse 40. And verse 40, as we see there, says this. And Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. Listen, I get that. Um, Miss Kathy Logan and I, we've got a picnic next week. And man, we have been checklisting. We have been figuring. We've got the aid of this and the this to that. And she does, it makes me salivate. I get all excited. We get details, man. We got barbecue coming. It's going to be great. But... um, I want us to land on something positive before we jump into some of the constructive, if you will. And that is this, that Martha was good at what she did. She was great. She was, um, you know, she was, the, she was Rachel Rayan and Paula Deenan, and she was slicing and dicing and baking and preparing. Um, she had those, um, what do you call those things, honey? Those chargers, you know, like when you have like a nice dinner, I don't do nice dinners. Now, my mom's watching. So my mom did teach me if I ever went to eat with the president of the United States, I'm supposed to start here and work my way in with forks and uh, I never got invited to the white house to eat. So, but she did teach me that kind of stuff. But here's the point. Martha is genuinely good at this. She takes it seriously. It's part of her. And here's the reality. You and I are good naturally at specific things. And if you believe, uh, first of all, you don't have a skill or ability, that's a lie. If you try to compare yourself to somebody else, that's what the enemy wants you to do so you don't really feel like you have a skill set. We all have skill sets. You know why? Because you and I are created in God's image and he don't make no junk. So let me ask you a question. Are you good? Are you good at, um, you know, cooking and baking? Because I love eating and we would be good friends if you had a gift of cooking and baking. Um, Maybe you love to um, listen to people. Maybe you love to help um, sort of figure out some of the problems or concerns in people's lives. And people naturally maybe come to you. Maybe you're good at um, being decisive. There needs to be a decision made. And you can look at the facts and boom, just sort of lay down an answer. Doesn't bother you. Maybe some of us are um, creative. You can take um, something sort of nominal or normal and you can think outside the box and figure out ways to make this thing look better, sound better. You can illustrate it well. Uh, my wife is creative. I love that. I wish I had that. I'm a, 
I'm a nickel and noses kind of guy, so I think creativity is really cool. But we all have skills and abilities. Some of you guys are techie, man. You can like figure out what software works with this and do your phone here. And that blows my mind. But I think it's really cool that you can do that. Some of you guys can figure out numbers, right? You can just sort of anticipate, you can draw, you can do, you can forecast. Listen, that's part of your skill and ability that God has given you. But here's what we got to watch out with Martha and our strength is that our strength too far out of balance crosses the line. So check out Luke 1040. This is Martha. She came to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to get her cotton pick and keister up here and help me. That's what it said in the Dan Shouse coordinator uh, coordination right here. It said that, brought it up. So, you know, you can just feel the tension. Hey, first of all, what I'm looking at when I see that is she had options. The disciples are there, right? She could have gone over to James, the brother of Jesus, and said, hey, James, like, can you tell my sister to get, you know, in here? Maybe Peter, right? He stuck his foot in his mouth all the time. So maybe she had gone over to Peter and said, hey, listen, tell my sister to get or John, right? John is sort of the favorite disciple, the love disciple. She had options, but she didn't. She's like, hey, Jesus, top dog, you. Hey, I, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Now, as a pastor's kid, I had, uh, my brother was 13 months, only 13 months younger. And if this was me, I don't think I would have gone to Jesus. I would have gone over to my brother and I said, I would have a loving threat. See, when you're a pastor's kid, you learn to balance that, loving and threat. Because, um, you know, if you die, you go see Jesus, at least in, you know, Christian home. So you learn how to do that together a little bit. Of course, I'm joking. I love my brother and all those times. And then we grew up and we went to college, you know, that whole story. But listen, this is her sister. And she wants a little of attention, right? Hey, hey, out of everybody, look at me. I'm doing some work. So your strength, when it becomes a little extreme, guys, it crosses the line. And when we read that story, you got to be careful to say, Martha, man, phew, good. Can I? She could have done things totally different, but she called out Jesus. Wow. You and I would never do that, right? But I do. And I think we do. Well, I have expectations, right? God, if I do this, I expect you to come through. Uh, you guys have, have heard, most of you heard my story of walking through my worst nightmare, which was divorce and Honestly, Iowa was my hell back in the day because 30 below zero is hell. 115 in the South is fine with me. And I walked through that and I just remember thinking, God, this is not fair. I mean, I know you wrote the Bible, you created the world, but in my definition of fair, you have not shown up. Hey, Jesus. And some of us have waited, haven't we? We've waited long enough. I heard recently of a lady who's been married to her husband at a very... Well, she grew up in a very legalistic church. When I say that, I mean a bunch of do's and don'ts, do's and don'ts. And after 30 something, maybe 35 years of marriage, she divorces her husband. You know why? Because she said, I've been doing this and God didn't. Hello. So before we get on to Martha, let's be careful. I do the same thing. And then really, if you boil this down, there's not just people in the room. Jesus, the Messiah, is in the room. 
And be careful because you and I do the same thing. And Martha says, hey, Jesus, this is my agenda. This is what I got going on. Can you come over here and bless it? Right? I mean, really, that's what she's saying. I know you're Jesus, the Messiah, but I got plans. I got things I'm doing. You ever done that? Of course you have. We all have. And God, I have expectations that you capitulate to my agenda. Guys, we don't ask God to bless our work, which a lot of us do. We ask God to direct our plans. Not bless our plans, direct our plans. You say, Dan, that's nice. But listen, a few months back, we talked about prayer. Matthew 6, if you grew up in the church or maybe uh, the Catholic background, you memorized the Lord's Prayer. You want to remind, remind, let's walk that through real quick, just to remind yourself. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. What's the next phrase? Your kingdom come. Not your, your, right? We're, We're God, but don't confuse yours, not your. Your kingdom come, your what? Will be done. So this is not just a good quote. Guys, Jesus reiterates the things that he's taught over and over again in such practical ways. That this is God's will over my will. And let me tell you something. My will gets shoveled in there many times when I'm strategizing, budgeting, and I expect God to bless it. And I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Martha, Martha's happening. Time out. Because I want God to direct my agenda. And I want to pause just for a second to make sure we don't miss something here, okay? This is not a sermon called Evil and Great. This is called Good and Great because is working hard wrong? Is working hard a sin? Oh, it's interesting. Check this out. Um, 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12. For every, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. Check this out. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. How about putting that in your parent repertoire? For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies, looking like you're busy. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Pull your wake. So guys, working is not a bad thing. It's a biblical thing. But once again, the problem is when I expect God to bless my work rather than lead me in my work. You say, Dan, what does that look like? And I, well, here's what I tell you every morning. At least I try to. I don't do it every morning, but I do, I do try every morning to say, just like we, we talked about with the Lord's Prayer, God, honor yourself through my life today. And I walk through making my heart is soft, making sure the, the whole forgiveness thing is going on, really making sure that I'm, I'm asking God for your will to be done, not mine. I got to crucify me and making things about me. So Lord, your will be done. So the people that come across my path today, some I have meetings, some I have no idea. There's decisions that are going to be made today. Lord, I don't, some I know about, some I don't. So God, because of what Jesus did and me accepting his sacrifice, I get to go directly to you, the Father, and I get to do that in the power of the Spirit. That's when Jesus left, he left the Holy Spirit, God's identification in us. So that if we use that power, I'm telling you, I make decisions, I make choices that are way smarter than I am. I'll just be honest with you. Because that is what God does. You ask God to bless that. Hey, just like Martha, hey, my agenda, come on, show up. And God's just like, we've been through this before, Dan, right? I mean, we had the conversation before. So I'm going to jump back into works okay. 
When we do work in our strength, it's our strength and we get what we get. God is wanting us to find the power source. I want to talk about something else. I want to go back um, to verse 40 here real quick and just talk about this verse. But Martha was distracted. I was uh, planning the sermon like, you know, Rick and we do all the time. And I got distracted this week. I started to think about what has distracted me from sitting at the feet of Jesus. What are the distractions? And I'm thinking, and you know this, like I have a watch and a phone. You know what I'm saying? Social media, TikToking, Snapchatting, Facebooking, PMing. Man, it cannot take a few moments. It can take hours of your day. I personally, you know, I'm a hot rodder dude. I like my car parts and my cars and I'm looking at marketplace. And before I know it, it can be hours, plural, right? So when we say we don't have time, be careful. They're distractions. They're good things that miss the great things. Um, anybody work in the office and then wound up finding yourself at home working? Yeah, anybody? I did that. I was running our business. I was in the office, uh, monthly you know, payments, COVID hits. Of course, everybody's freaking out. I'm a little bit of a freak out myself. So we leave the office, we come home to work. And you know what I found myself doing? <laughs> I was cleaning. I was repairing. I was fixing. I was getting distracted of my own job, my own company. How crazy is that? And then some of us are distracted. And you know it's true. We're distracted by that little, that little van. Has a smile on the side. Sometimes my ring lets me know there's something at my door. Sometimes it crosses in front and you're thinking, hey, is Amazon coming to my door? Don't you? You do that. And we shop on there before long. Listen, these are the kind of things, practically speaking, that we have to recognize there's distractions in our lives. Just be honest. Name it. Figure it out. Position it. And the other thing I love about this passage is the second verse in 41. It says, Martha, Martha. Now, when he says this, it's not like sarcastic belittling. It's like if you put your name there, okay, it'd be like, Dan, Dan, hold on a second. One second. And this is true of me. You're worried and upset about many things. What, um, what do you think she was upset about? Right? She's cooking this meal. We already know she went straight to Jesus and said, hey, 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 you know, tell my sister to help me out. I mean, she really sort of demanded some attention. I have to wonder. I mean, Jesus didn't just sort of say, hey, I realize you barked at me, and I, and I think this is probably the problem. Jesus sees the heart of each one of us. He knows not just what we do in the outside, but why we do it. And he's bringing that up in Martha, not in a belittling way, in a loving way. He says, hey, Sean, Sean. He says, Susie, Susie, listen, listen, listen. Come here. Hey, you're distracted. You're worried about a lot of things. And so do you think maybe... She was worried about letting people down. I mean, she'd done this before. She obviously was a woman of means. She had money because she did this on several occasions. Maybe she was protecting her reputation. Hey, like I'm known around this Bethany for making the best whatever. And maybe, and I resonate with this point, maybe, maybe it's a lack of control. See, I like control. I like control because I, I can, at least in my head, I think I can control the outcome. I think... I can help you. I think you're going to have a good time. I think I can prevent bad decisions being made. And I love that Jesus doesn't say specifically what it is, but he says, hey, you're worried and upset about a lot of things. And this is written a thousand years ago. And how applicable is that today? 
What are you worried and stressed over? The unknown? COVID? Politics? Leadership? Afghanistan? Your kids, their future, your job, your spouse's job, your finances. Listen, he's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. You're worried and upset about many things. So Jesus calling attention, right? Stop, hold, 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 hold just a second. And the most beautiful thing in the world is he doesn't just stop there. He gives us, he gives Martha a solution. And this is what he says. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. In fact, really indeed only one. The NLT, I think, says it better. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has chosen what is better. And not only did she choose what was better, it will not be taken away from her. You know, I got to be honest, at my house, if you come to my house, like I always, down the basement, I got extra toilet paper, especially these days. I got extra, I have extra um, paper towels. I usually have extra shampoo, soap. I mean, you can live in my house for a while. In fact, you can live in my bag for a while. I mean, I'm the prepper kind of guy. Not crazy, but like I always have that. And here's the problem. It runs out, doesn't it? It eventually runs out and I've got to go buy more. I've got to make another list. But what Jesus is saying, listen, what, what you do is temporary. What you do with me, and it lasts. And, and here's what else I'd say is that the culture would say, hey, Mary got distracted, right? I mean, Martha was getting things done, man. She had a list. She was knocking things out. She was making progress. We would say Mary got distracted. Mary needs to take a time management class. Mary needs some, no, no, no. Mary got it, man. She did not get seduced by the tyranny of the urgent. She didn't get seduced by what people may think. She's locked on to Jesus. Why do I know that? Because she sat at his feet. Didn't just have a little, you know, casual conversation from living room to the family room. No, this was something that just grabbed her attention so much because she knew this was not just a good coaching session. This was a life changing session. This was not just a nice conversation. This was a supernatural conversation. Mary knew it. Mary could see it. And there was something so enticing, not just in his lips, but in his heart that resonated with her. The good things are we have skill and ability. The good things are we can do things well. The better part is we realize the power source is found at the feet of Jesus, spending time with him, making sure the distractions and the worries and anxieties are put at bay so I can walk in truth, I can think in truth, I can renew my mind. You know, I've studied because I'm a pastor's kid, grew up in a large church, saw some super godly coaches and leaders and business people and ladies and I, as a pastor's kid, because you get to go behind the scenes when you're pastor kids, right? You're over at their houses and you can say, well, that, Ooh, marriage isn't so great or wow, parenting skills, whoa. Um, you know, business people, they like to put up a front sometimes at church and live a totally different life somewhere else. Coaches sometimes do the same thing. And as a pastor kid, like you've been told all this stuff. And so now you're trying to figure out what's real. What's, what's real? As I mentioned before, I went through this divorce. I, I thought, man, maybe this, maybe this God who does not match up to my fairness, maybe this has been brainwashing. After all, I grew up in it. 
And I started testing God. I started asking God to prove it. I started doing to Martha, hey, why don't you pay attention and show up? And if I was God, I think I would have like maimed me a little bit or struck me with a little bolt of lightning. Maybe not kill me, but I sure put a shock collar on me somehow. But he didn't. He gave me so much grace. He gave me so much mercy. And what I realized was the consistency in every one of these people as a pastor's kid, then as a young 20, 30, 40 year old watching these people and seeing how their values, their faith matched up in their marriage and their parenting. I'm not talking perfect, but I'm talking consistent, not natural success, but supernatural success that led to some natural success. You know what I'm saying? And here's the common thread I heard from every single one of them. My success, my marriage, my parenting, my finances, my business, my kids, all has to do with my time alone with Jesus. Are you kidding? This stuff really works. And God rebuilt my faith over two and a half years. And you guys know the second half of Lori and I's story. It's unbelievable. It's immeasurably more than I can ask, think, or imagine. Why? Because when you sit at the feet of Jesus, things supernaturally happen. I had some friends over this week because uh, I have a situation in my house. I've gone from a you know, normal attached two-car to a detached garage. The boys and Lori called it Corvette garage because that's where my hot rod is. And now I had a downsize. I know you think it's ridiculous, but I had a downsize to a three-car. But here's what's happening. I'm trying to simplify. I'm trying to get organized. And I realize my hobby is ripping parts apart and redoing things. But I realized that all my lights, all my outlets, Anything I would use an electrical tool on, a heater when it gets cold, my multiple fans, because in the three car and 115 degrees, it's a little warm in there on some of our days. And, and, you know, Lord help us if I turn the compressor on. Oh my goodness. And then the same genius who wired that went over to our office in the house and wired all of, because Lori's usually in the office, the rest is Lori's office, but like all the fans, all the lights, all the outlets, all in the same circuit. And you know what happens, because Lori, like some ladies, she gets cold. In the middle of August, she gets cold. So she'll put the heater on. And mine are underneath a hot rod, right? And I have ripped out, I've done a lot of stuff. And then, you know that click sound? That click you don't want to hear? And then what happens? Everything's dark. And I mean everything. And sometimes this little door will open and I'll hear, hey honey, the power's out. And I'm underneath the car thinking, where's Captain Obvious? Really? I mean, and I'm frustrated, right? Because like this stinking thing. And guess what I do? I get up. Most because I'm usually down the ground. It'd be too easy if I was sitting there next to the breaker. I go over there and I trip. I flip back on the same breaker. And I'm so tired of doing this for a year. But for a year, to be honest, I have ripped out sway bars, rack and pinions, harmonic balancers, radiators, uh, water pumps, um, fuel injection, carburetor, you name it. I've done, for a year, I've done a lot of work. I gotta tell you, so tired of running out of power. So I asked Kelly and Tim to come over and they gave me 110 outlets all over the place. I even had to put in 220. That'll kill a man. Because I want to plug in my generator, my welder. I mean, I got 
power. It's awesome. Let me tell you what, for a year though, I got things done. You can get things done in your strength. You can get things done when you plan because you're good at it. But let me tell you, in church life, all right, just to be real honest with you, the divorce rate is no different inside church and outside church. The indebtedness is no different. The stats are no different inside church, outside church. And there's a stat that continue to go on. Why is that? Come on, you know why. It's the Mary Martha principle. It's that we go to church, but really Martha, and they really say, hey, God, hey, come on, bless me. Come along with my agenda, my plan. And Jesus is saying, no, no, damn, listen, talk. We've, we've, we've talked about this before because I'm human and I drift and maybe I go back, but like, hey, it's me. You know how tired you get from running out of power? Just sit at my feet. I'm not the God who talks a talk. I've already shown you my walk. I've sent you my son. Like it changed and transformed BC and AD and all the aspects of history that validate this thing. It's real. So what do we do with this? Practically, how do we put this in the practice? I want to just share with you three things. You know, pastors, we got to do something you got to remember, which are ours and our, I'm, I'm not as good as Rick is. So I had to work really hard on the renew, but let's just talk about renew. I'm just gonna give you a challenge just this week. All right. No other time, just this week. Just renew your mind and your heart. First thing in the morning, last thing before bed. Pastor Rick talks about this all the time. I love it. I'm not talking a time limit for you. I'm not talking, you know, something really, I'm just stop, man. In the morning, first thing, get up. Maybe you had pizza the night before and you had a crazy freaky dream. I don't know, but start your morning. Because if not, the distractions start to creep in. The anxiety starts to creep in. All those things start to wedge out this relationship with Jesus. So first thing in the morning, and I don't know about you, but you know, I drive the interstate and I deal with people all day long and I'm sure your people are perfectly great, but sometimes my people aren't so great and I get home and I'm ready for bed and I'm not maybe the nicest. And so again, just renew. And renewing means taking apart all that stuff and get back to what is true and everything when I talk to Jesus is true. Everything that I read from scripture is true. And that's why I want you to not only renew, I want you to reread. I want you to read the entire Bible every day this week. Just kidding. I just want you to read five verses. Now, how simple is that? Just five. These ones we've read, they're simple. And when you do that, if you're a follower of Jesus, I just want you to pray and ask God to give you just some enlightenment, some wisdom, if you will. And place yourself in Martha's position. Place yourself in Mary's position. And what I want you to do last is just reflect. Is that just to take time to write out on your app or your notes, whatever you like to do, what do you hear in that time of being quiet with Jesus? Because those things are what God is whispering in your ear. Hey, Dan, I think you're a little distracted. I think you are looking to appease. I think you are... And when I hear these things, because as I, you know, as Rick, Pastor Rick would say, it's not, you can talk out loud. I, I do that all the time when I talk to God, but it, it is, it's my heart thought, right? It's those things I have conversation with him about. And when I'm open with no fear, no agenda, I start hearing, hey, Dan, you know, like what you said to Lori wasn't so cool. I'm like, well, whatever, let's go to the next thing. No, I, I, no, I can't, right? Because I'm open and honest and I know that Jesus never does anything to belittle me or hurt me. He does it for my help. So we talk about encouragement or conviction. They're both for my good and for his glory. 
So please, just this week, that's all I'm asking. Take time before bed, first thing in the morning to renew your mind, to read just five verses and to reflect, write some things out and those things, just start working on them. And what's the next thing? God will reveal that. He will reveal that. We've got a choice. We can keep on doing it in our own strength and do good things. It's not bad. But it doesn't last. We can do the supernatural and start to actually differentiate ourselves from the rest of the world and know that stats, when we start living an authentic, real Christian life, we start going from the natural to the supernatural. And this is how you do it. It's simple, but it's hard and very profound. Would you pray with me?